Welcome to Hey Therapist. I'm your host, Leslie Ross. With me is my producer, Jay Wesley Lindley. Let's get mental. What I was thinking about talking about today is some coping skills. You know, we talked about some big emotions and where they come from and how they operate and what it feels like in your body, but how how do we deal with that? You know, that's something that sometimes we get to that point, it's like, okay, I know what's happening, but I don't know what to do with it. And so I was just thinking about, you know, what what are easy things that people can do? You know, first off, one of the big coping skills is finding a therapist. Find yourself a therapist, get help, uh, get that support out there. But if you're not going to do that, then what do we do? You know, we talked about panic attacks and anxiety. That's one of the big ones that gets a lot of people. You know, depression is actually affects people more than anxiety. However, when we're talking about noticeable things, anxiety tends to get us a little more when we're out in public or when we're at home or we're thinking about things. So if we're having some anxiety and we're having that anxiousness in our body, what can we do? First off, we want to figure out why. Where is this coming from? Because if we're having some anxious moments and we're ignoring it, it becomes the little kid pulling at your pant leg where it's like, hey, 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 pay attention to me, pay attention to me. And if you don't pay attention, it gets louder and louder and stronger. But if you stop and go, what, what do you want? You know, the little kids who's like, hi, and runs off. That's how anxiety can be because it's a warning system. So your alarms are going off. And if you ignore it, your body's like, hey, yo, don't ignore me. Like I'm trying to tell you something. And if you stop and say, what do you need? What? What is happening inside me? What do I need to be aware of? What do I need to be feeling? Your brain may go, oh, wait, I don't know. Hold on. Let me let me try to figure this out real quick. And that's when you know it's it's probably not a real emotion. And you can go, okay, so this must be something old, even if you don't want to take the time at that time, or you don't have the time at that time to figure it out, you may be able to go, okay, well, whatever this is, it's not happening now. Because right now I'm at work and I'm just doing the normal things that I have to do. So there's no reason I would be having this anxiety. So I'm going to let it just move through my body. And I'm going to go on and and just keep doing what I'm doing. Some other ways to get rid of that emotional response, kind of those visceral things, is change something in your atmosphere. So if you're in, if if you're warm, get something super cold. Go to the fridge, go to your freezer. If you're at home, grab something out of the cooler at the gas station. And you want to change your body's temperature if you can. And the best way to do that is to put something on your chest right between your breastbone right there on that, um, the vagus nerve, I believe is what it's actually called. But, you know, right there at the top of your chest, put something super cold there, something on the back of your neck, something super cold on your wrist, and you hold it there until it's uncomfortable. And that's going to make your body change its responses, because you're changing what you're feeling. And remember, emotions are all feelings and body sensations. And if you can change your body sensations, you can change what you're thinking about because you may just start thinking about, oh my God, this is really cold and uncomfortable. And then you're like, wait, what was I stressing about? I don't know what, I don't know what that was. You know, if you have, uh, if you don't have anything cold, uh, you know, I'm a fan of essential oils. I'm not one of those people that thinks they can cure cancer. There's people out there that have great, 
great ideas about oils. And if it works for you, it works for you. You like it. I love it. But I do know that smells and sensations can change your body. Peppermint oils, lemon, citrus. If you can carry a bottle of oil with you and just take a big, deep, almost uncomfortable whiff of it, if your allergies allow that. You can put food grade, those types of things on your wrist and blow on them. When you blow on a hot oil, like a peppermint oil, it becomes really cold. So we're changing that sensation. And also you're adding that other sensory part of smelling that peppermint. If you're a dude and you don't want to carry a bottle of oils with you because it's weird, that's girly, get some super strong peppermint gum or some super strong, they make those breath sprays that, I don't know, I I think they still make them like the binacas and things. I don't know. They used to be so incredibly strong that they were uncomfortable, but that may be what you need. And when you're using something like that, a piece of gum, if you're a tobacco user, which I don't encourage, but if you are and you, you know, keep some spearmint something or some menthol something around, and when you're breathing that, that change of sensation. Now, if that's what you use normally, it's not going to work for you. But if it's not what you do normally, and even if you're like, let's say you chew peppermint gum all the time, you're probably just chewing it and not paying attention. But when you start chewing gum and you take a deep breath in, it's cold. You get that sensation. So do that a few times and change your body sensations. And most importantly, when we're going through anything like that, is your breathing. Take those good, deep breaths all the way into your lungs and you hold it and you let it out. And it's that four, four and four. Like there's a lot of people that have different numbers for it. But, you know, I just I try to keep it simple. Four, four and four. Breathe in for four. Hold it for four seconds. Breathe out for four seconds. And if you do that enough, again, you're going to change your body rhythm. Because when we're anxious or when we're having heightened emotional response, your body is heightened. Everything in you is alert, aware, your breathing speeds up, your heart rate speeds up. But if you can take some good deep breaths, you can slow that back down a little bit and help your brain to come to terms with whatever's happening. Because when we are emotional, we are not rational. We are not making good choices. We are not making good decisions. We are not doing what's best for us. So some of those things can really help you in that short term for the long run to learn how to manage your symptoms. Now, this isn't going to fix whatever's causing these symptoms. That's what talking about it's for. That's what therapy's for. That's what working through your thoughts and feelings. I mean, there's a lot of self-help books out there that can help you do that. But in that short term, sometimes we have to manage a symptom right then. If you're having anxiety and you're trying to get on a plane and you're terrified of that, you need to do something to get your ass on that plane. And it may be breathing exercises. It may be changing your temperature. It may be just getting on there and breathing and closing your eyes and doing whatever you need to do in that moment to make it. What I want to encourage everyone to do is to power through. And that sounds really tough sometimes, especially when we're super heightened emotionally. If you stop doing things because of whatever is going on with you mentally and emotionally, you will stop doing everything. If you let your anxiety keep you from going out with your friends, if you let it keep you from going to Walmart, you're going to stop going. And then that time that you need to go is going to be terrible for you because you've amped it up. You've made it something really big in your head when it's as simple as going to Walmart. And if going to Walmart is something that gives you anxiety because of the people or the noise, 
then let's work through that. Let's get some headphones, wear headphones, listen to the music you want to listen to or listen to nothing at all. But a lot of times when you have headphones on people, you become unapproachable. People don't won't talk to you. They won't just make chit chat. They won't do the things. You don't have to have it hooked to anything. You don't have to have anything going through it. Just have them on. I used to do it at my old workplace because everyone around me talked constantly and they would talk to you. And I didn't get a lot of work done and it stressed me out because I'm not a chit chatter. I'm not someone who likes to have small talk. And so I would wear headphones and a lot of times I would have nothing in them because I didn't want to be distracted, but I wanted people to not bother me. So, you know, you have to know what you need and be able to do that. So it's okay to just be an introvert and not want to deal with people regularly? Absolutely. Be an introvert. It's fine to be an introvert and not want to deal with people. You know, I don't recommend it all the time because we're social animals. We need people. But if you're in that moment and what you need is to be introverted, what you need is to go home and sit on your couch and not talk to anybody, then do that. Because your body is going to tell you what you need. Sometimes it's going to lie to you if we have some other things going on. But your body is going to tell you, listen, we need a break. I need a break. I'm overwhelmed. I'm overstimulated. I need to stop for a minute. How long should my break last? How long can, can I, is it okay to be introverted without it being too long? That's a good question. So that break, how long should it last? I'm going to say as long as it needs to, but no longer than it has to. <laughs> that's, that's my answer. As long as it needs to, but no longer than it has to. That, feel, that feels like it wasn't helpful. No, <laughs> <laughs> it it I, sounded like it wasn't helpful. Actually. I needed I needed like six months <laughs> and three days. You know what I mean? I needed an exact date. I didn't realize no that's more not than ex- forty five minutes. Okay, per day. Per, no, I, it just depends on who you are. Like if you work in a so for me, you know, I work in a highly stressful job, and I hear the worst of the worst of some people's things. And I've heard terrible stories that many people wouldn't even believe were true. And sometimes I would do that, especially in private practice. You know, I would hear those stories five or six hours a day. And then I would go home. I don't want to talk to anybody after that. Like I'm done. It's a wrap. Like I may message you, but I don't want to talk anymore. And it's something that I had to, and the people in my life had to learn how to deal with of don't talk to me. It's not personal. Just don't talk to me for a little bit. Let me come home and take my bath and eat some dinner. And then I can talk. Like I need that downtime to regroup, to reset myself. It sounds like it's healthy as long as, I mean, if you have a significant other, as long as it's communicated that you need that time. Right. Absolutely. And, and you know, communication is, is key in all of these things. And even with your friends or significant others, your family, you know, if you're going through something and you come in and you're rude and you just shut everybody out and you're not responding and you're not talking, you know, your people are going to be like, what the fuck, man? What I do? Like, shit, I was just trying to say, hey, like, I just asked if you wanted some supper. Damn. But if you if you set this precedence and we have these conversations again when we're not emotional. Every conversation you have should, with anyone should be when you're not emotional because we're not rational when we're emotional. You have it when nothing is going on and you say, "Hey, I wanted to talk to you about this." You know, when I come from home home from work, I'm really tired and verbally exhausted and my brain hurts and I need like an hour 
just to chill out. I'm going to go. I'm going to take my bath. I'm going to watch some Netflix. And then I'm going to join you or the kids or whoever is in your home. And it's not personal. It's not that I don't want to be around you guys. It's just I need a break because of what I go through all day. And I think most people are understanding of that. If they're not, that's may not be the healthiest relationship for you because people should understand your needs. Now, if you're coming home and it's a PTSD response, you know, it's the chair that law enforcement, military, and some people have where they just come home and they plop down and they don't interact and they're shut out and they're not being part of the family at all with no communication, that's a problem. Like we need to have a communication about that. That could be, you know, leading to other things. You have to be engaged with the people you love or they need to understand why you're not. If you're coming home and there's an understanding of, listen, until I change, you know, I have one of my good friends who worked ER for a long time and she worked during COVID as an ER nurse. And, you know, she had a rule in her house where she got to come home. She changed out of her clothes in the garage because the fear of contamination, all of those things. She would go straight to the shower. She would take her shower. She would lay in her bed for like 30 or 40 minutes watching some episode of some show that she liked. And then she would go out and join her husband and kids. But the husband knew the kids don't come, like, keep the kids away from me. Like, the kids most of the time wouldn't even know she was home. They made it where she could just sneak in. She's like, I'm I'm coming in. And he would take the kids to, like, their room or something. Mom would sneak in, go do what she needed to do so she could decompress and then join the family without being pissy or short or annoyed by, you know, kids or, or animals or whatever that want your attention when you first walk in. Because no matter how much you love someone, you need that break as well. So I think it is knowing what you need. Now, if you're coming in all the time and not talking to anybody and that's your pattern and then you're not talking to them for the rest of the night because it was an extra hard day and then that happens the next night and that happens the next night, now we have a pattern developing that's not healthy. And so we have to regroup. And some of those patterns can lead into, you know, the other biggest mental health issue, which is depression. With that depression, you know, we lose our enjoyment. We lose what we want to do. We lose what makes us happy. People who have never experienced depression don't understand the weight that it is on your whole person. You know, the commercials with the dark storm cloud and the people holding the little faces up or whatever, that's real. Like it feels like you are in a storm that you can't get out of and you're tired and you don't want to do anything and nothing sounds fun. And even the things that you did enjoy, you may not enjoy as much with those types of things. And when we notice depression and if if it's something that you deal with, you probably know your patterns. You know, you want to try to do something. You know, one of the things I tell my tell all of my clients who are struggling with depression and that everything seems so big. You know, I need to clean my house, but it's so much. I need to pick up the, I need to put, do this, but it's, it's already so much. I'm going to have to, oh, okay. It's, it's kind of the, you know, I use the, how do you eat an elephant analogy? One bite at a time. So if you have that room, like, cause sometimes we have a drunk drawer and sometimes we have a room. And if you have that room that things just get thrown into, you're like, eh, I'll put it up later. Eh, I'll deal with it later. And we're just piling on beds. You're sleeping with all of your dirty laundry or clean laundry that you've just dumped on the bed and haven't folded. What is one thing you can do? And it's setting those goals and those expectations of yourself of what can I accomplish? Because you're probably not going to clean that whole room. You're probably not going to fold the laundry 
and put it up. But what can I accomplish in five minutes, 10 minutes? Set yourself a timer. It's the, I'm going to give myself five minutes. Five minutes isn't too bad. Two songs. Two songs is what, six minutes most of the time? Most songs are an average of three minutes. Two songs. I'm going to play two songs I really like that really get me going. And I'm just going to clean this part. I'm going to clean off the counter. I'm going to fold the laundry for two songs. And then when those are over, I'm done. Very rarely are you going to stop after those two songs. Because you're going to be like, oh, that feels good. Oh, look at that. That's okay. That's clean. That feels that feels better. And you do. You get those indoor and you've accomplished something. And even if you don't feel like doing more, you can go, I did that. I'm going to go back to my couch. I'm going to go back on the bed. I'm going to plop back in my chair and get my blankie and celebrate my win. And, and you keep doing those. Those little wins will help you do more and feel accomplished. Those little wins will, you know, if, if you, if exercise, and exercise is an amazing, amazing thing that can release endorphins. It builds your dopamine. It not only makes you feel healthier, but it also helps you mentally. It's, you know, exercise is one of those chicken and the egg kind of things. You know, do we feel bad because we're not exercising or are we not exercising because we feel bad? Well, either way, let's get up and do something. Even if it's just walking to your mailbox, like make a lap around your house, go to the other bathroom in your house. If you're in your bedroom and you have a a bathroom in your close to your bedroom, go to the other bathroom in your house. If you have another one, then you've got in some more steps. You've got up and you've been active because inactivity is bad for your body and your brain. And so we want to stay as active as possible. And when you're depressed, just showering sounds terrible. Like, you know, you need to shower. It seems like a lot of work. Okay, well, I'm going to take the fastest shower I can and, and time yourself and see how fast you can take a shower. Okay, but you you had a shower. I'm going to walk. I'm going to, I'm, I have to go to Walmart. I'm not going to do pickup. I'm going to go in and buy my groceries. So you have to walk around the store. You've got to be active because activity can really help your brain develop. And if you can find something you really enjoy. You know, yoga is low impact and pretty high high yields when it comes to physically, you know, how your body moves and stretches and flows and it's easy. Like if you're if you're struggle, well, I've got back pain, I've got this, I've got the other. You know, it's it's an exercise that anyone can do with any just about any condition you can find a yoga to go with that. You can, you know, go for walks. There's gyms you can join. There's different YouTube channels you can follow that have, you know, 5, 10, 15, 20 minute exercises, whatever you feel like you can do, do that. Stretching is huge for the body. Like it releases so much things. And and that's one of the things that yoga can do for you. Yoga can do, but also, you know, you can find YouTube videos that are like chair stretches, sofa stretches, bed stretches. So you don't even have to get up. You don't have to get up from that place that you have moved into at the time to do a little bit of activity. And just those little things, those little wins are going to make you feel better. Drinking lots of water, staying hydrated, you know, set down the sodas for a minute. I'm not anti-soda, but I'm anti-soda every drink. I'm not anti-alcohol. I'm anti-alcohol every drink. Like we have to do everything in moderation and, you know, drinking enough water helps you feel good. And then if you drink enough, you have to get up and pee. So it's more physical activity. So you just drink the waters and you have to get up and pee. And then you go to that bathroom that's the farthest from your room and you're getting in lots of steps. You're getting up and moving around. You're getting good water and hydration. 
And those little changes can really make a huge difference. And it may not seem like it at the time, but they really can. And one of the other things that is really true and it seems cheesy when you're doing it, trust me, I know, gratitude. Like if you can go to bed and just come up with two to three things every night that you are grateful for that happened during the day. And it can be, I'm grateful I didn't die today. I'm grateful that... I pooped. Yay. Like, I don't know what it is. Like, whatever your little wins are. I'm grateful that I messaged my friend and they messaged me back and that I had a good conversation or that my new TV show came out today and I got to binge all the episodes. Like, whatever it is, just two to three things a night. If you can go to bed thinking of those, if you practice a religion and you have that faith in your system, you know, that is great for your mental health as well. You know, having that higher belief, having something to depend on, something to be a part of, go to bed with those things on your mind, not how bad you feel, not how little you did, because we we beat ourselves up. We like to, for some reason, you know, say, well, I didn't do all these things and I didn't do this and I didn't do that and I didn't do that. But, you know, what if? Just what if we said, I didn't do that. And also, I know I'm struggling with my depression, or I know I'm struggling with my anxiety, or I know I'm struggling with my chronic pain, whatever it is. But what I did do is recognize that I appreciate my family. I am grateful that I'm still here. I'm grateful that I'm able to feed myself. I'm grateful that I have my dog. I'm grateful for my cats. I'm grateful for whatever it is. If you can go to bed with those little ideas and helping yourself feel better, then I think it's a good thing to just be able to to show that gratitude for yourself. I'm grateful that I made it through today and tomorrow is another day. And you can shoulda, woulda, coulda all over yourself, but tomorrow is another day. And one of the things we forget when we're stressing or we have the depression or we have the anxiety, we go through this what ifs. What if it's this? And we're what ifing all of these things and they're always negative. But what if tomorrow I feel a little better? What if I get up and I don't have as much stress or anxiety or depression or pain? What if this actually works out in my favor? What if it's not as scary as I think it is? We forget to look at that other side. You know, we what if ourselves down the haunted road that's full of like wolves and, and owls hooting and fog and shit. But we never what if ourselves just down the normal street with a little bit of sunshine and it could be even a little cloudy. I'm fine with a little cloudy, but it's there's a whole other side of what ifs that a lot of times we don't look at, which can create some of these emotional issues that we talk about. My thinking behind starting this is I feel like I'm good at what I do. I mean, I'm sure there's people listening that would disagree, which is fine. You can. Um, I had clients that disagreed. That's why they stopped coming to see me. So it's fine. I wanted to do something and put something out there because I listen to a lot of podcasts. I listen to a lot of mental health podcasts. And though there are some really good ones out there that I enjoy, some of them are very staunchy and advice giving and like you should be doing these things. And I don't think anyone should be doing anything like, I mean, we, we should be living our best lives. That's what we should all be doing. And if I can help someone do that through my words and what I've learned over these last 10 years of doing this and, and helping people. And I know what's helped for 
a lot of my clients and I know what hasn't. And I'll tell you both. I want it to be something where someone can listen to this and take a little piece of it and add it to their life and go, you know, what? I may try that. And that's that's what I want from from this podcast. I am going to tell you how it should be and how you th- how you're thinking wrong about it and where you're wrong in your thinking and you can do with that with what you will and sometimes people didn't come back and sometimes they did and say, "You know what? You're right. You're right. I thought that. I'm thinking this and I how do I fix it?" And so, you know, it's I am definitely, you know, I'm the what is the I saw a shirt or a, something a meme or some shit that said, "I'm not I'm not a cup of tea or I'm whiskey in your teacup or something to that effect. Like that's, that's me. I'm not the gentle therapist that's going to pat you on the head and say, it's going to be okay. Cause it may not, like it may not be okay. It may be, we can probably make it okay, but sometimes it's just not going to be okay. Not for a while. And that is a, a reality of therapy. It's a reality of life. It's a reality of having issues. People do want a quick fix. They want fixed I want you to fix me. I want this gone. I want it. Well, okay. Well, that takes a lot of work. And if you're willing to do the work, I'm willing to do the work with you, but I'm not going to do it for you. I refuse to work harder than my clients. And if you're not going to do the work, I'm not going to do the work. And I'm going to ask you, what are we here for? I mean, there's plenty of times I had clients. I'm like, what are we doing? Like, why, what are we doing here? Cause you're not doing anything that I'm suggesting. What's the barrier? Why are we not moving forward? So at the end of the day, it's safe to say that you can give the best advice or any other therapist could give the best advice in the world, but until you're ready to take it and do with it what you should, it doesn't matter. That's it. You got to be ready for change and you got to be ready for the work. And it sucks. Like when you start facing yourself and truly looking in the mirror, sometimes it really sucks. What sucks worse, the anxiety and depression or the work to get out of it exactly the failed relationships the heartbreak the not even putting yourself out there and trying because you're scared of something like that to me sucks a lot worse than going through a little bit of pain dealing with all of the things and getting rid of it and moving forward it's gonna suck and then it will suck less and then it will be okay and I think if you go into it with that, knowing that it's not going you know therapy is not easy it's not comfortable It's worth it, though, because you do have to deal with a lot of hard truths about yourself, about your family members, about what you've experienced and how you actually experience those as opposed to what you believe you experience them as. And so it's it sucks. And then it doesn't. And then you realize you're not living with the anxiety, the depression, the stress, the fear, all of those things that you've been carrying with you. And it's a it's a heavy load that people carry a lot of times and they don't even realize they're carrying it until they start offloading. And they're like, holy shit, like I feel so much better. Like that's that I didn't realize that this was causing all of these things. I didn't realize that I was acting this way. I didn't realize I was having these responses because sometimes we don't. We don't always recognize our tone. We don't always recognize our attitude or you know, if we're irritable or pissy or yeah, have the face like we're just yeah. meh, you know, we're just walking through the world like meh. And there's like, nobody talks to me though. It's like, well, shit, no kidding. Like you're grumpy all the time. And like, look at you. Okay. It's hard work. It's hard work to change anything. It's hard work to change your, your physical health and it doesn't feel good and you're sore. You're like, ugh, why am I even doing this? And then you start to see results. 
and you start to feel better and you notice you wake up differently and you're sleeping better and and your health is just overall better and, and you go, oh, that's why I'm doing this. Social media is not real. It's what people want you to see. There are those people that put all their shit out there and that nobody wants to see. And you're like, oh, man, like, like you said that in the public, yeah. like the public can see that. And, you know, I think that's a whole other disorder. That's that attention seeking behavior. That's because they are so lonely. They want someone to reach out to them and they need that reassurance or that attention or whatever it is. So we're dealing with a whole different, you know, set of mental health issues. But when you're looking at someone's post and their life and their travels, and I can tell you my my socials look great. I look like I am living my best fucking life. And, you know, behind the scenes, it ain't like that. Like, there's some shit back there, and I've gone through it. But it's not on social media. You had a long day at work today or yesterday or, and the yeah. day before. And the day, you know, you was on and call. relationships yeah. and all of those things. You don't see, like, you may see them on there for a minute, and then they gone. And we ain't going to talk about why they gone. That's right. <laughs> But it seems like sometimes people let the just those everyday mundane things, like a, a tough day at work. Sure. Every single person yes. that's ever had a job has had a tough day at work. Absolutely. But if you wallow in that tough day, the next day may be a little tougher. Right. And then you just stay, like you said, you stay in it. You stay in it. Versus working to get out of it. Everything's a choice. You're choosing to stay in that mood. Like, and it may be because you don't know how to get out of it. You haven't done any work on it. Fine. But you're choosing you're choosing to be miserable in your job. There's a lot of jobs out there. And sometimes we do get stuck in them because they pay well. Or, you know, you, you know, right now we're in Southeast Oklahoma. There's not a lot of high paying jobs, but you spend the most amount of your time at work. Like you spend more time at work than you do with your family, with your kids, with your life. Like that's where you are spending the majority of your time. And if you're waking up every morning in a bad mood because you have to go to a job you hate with people you dislike, and then you come home, you're bringing that home. You're carrying that with you because you're not leaving it at the door and just having a great time with your friends or your family or whoever's in your home. You're grumpy because you're going, you're fixing to go to bed and you're going to have to wake up and you're doing it all over again. Like, and there's time frames where everybody's like, you may work a job where, I mean, it's tax season. So I'm sure there's a lot of accountants right now who are fucking hating life yes. because you know, tax day, and then all the people that file extensions, so they don't get to stop working. Like they know that they're going to just be working for the next month or two. And so, you know, there's those time frames in your job you may dislike. But if every day, three hundred, I won't even say three sixty five, three hundred days of the year, because there are holidays in there, you're probably not working. You're getting up and dreading life, and going to work and dreading work, and then you're coming home. And you're going to bed, dreading going to sleep because you know you have to get up to go back. That's a problem. And you should probably rethink some things and look at what you can and and readjust and figure it out. And it may be changing your role at work. It may be just changing your attitude about your job. You may go in and be like, I, all the people I work with are stupid. Okay, that may be true. Thinking that's not helping you. You may very well be the smartest one at your job. Okay, you go in knowing I'm a, I'm the smartest one here. They're all dumb. This is what I'm getting out of them. This is how I'm going to work, whatever. And they say if you're consistently the smartest person in the room, find another room. <laughs> That's right. Yes, because it will. you will become complacent. I mean, there's always a choice to make. There's always changes that can be made. And it, they can be minuscule. You know, it's the butterfly effect. You know, the flap of the butterfly wing that changes the ocean tides. Like it, it can be so little 
that you don't seem like it's doing anything, but the more you do it and the consistency of doing it, you're going to see a change in yourself. And you may not recognize it until you go, oh, wait, I haven't felt that way in a while. And it's because, oh, I've been doing these little things and it's starting to to add up and make me feel better. For my producer, Jay Lindley, I'm Leslie Ross. Thank you all for joining us. Please send any questions or comments through the website, heytherapist.com or email help at heytherapist.com. They may be featured on the show anonymously. Hey Therapist is an SEOK radio production and is for your entertainment purposes only. Thank you for joining us. Make good choices. Make good choices.